baby mama, baby mama, baby. If you're pretty and you're baby mama, turn up. If you're pretty and you're sexy, let me see you turn up. You the mothers of the world, I call it mix universe. Celebrate who you are, celebrate what you got. Hi, hi. Welcome, everybody, to the Everything Motherhood podcast. For those who have been with us, welcome back. For those who are new, we welcome you. This is the Everything Motherhood podcast, where we talk about everything that has to do with motherhood. Last weekend, we spoke to my very own mother, who gave us a bit of her experience coming into motherhood in the 70s, as well as her working experience and her challenges with what we defined as the motherhood penalty. This week, I'm so excited to introduce you to a young mother. Her name is Hope Nandudu. All the way from Bali, she graduated last year with a BSc in technology. She's a budding entrepreneur. She'll share more about that as as we move along. She's a young leader in Rotaract. Welcome, Hope. Thank you very much. Thank you for hosting me. Uh, when did you first become a mother? I, I guess we now begin from the time of pregnancy. That is yes. 2014. Yeah. Senior six back. How old were you? I was 18. And how was it being a teenage mother? Trust me, I think uh, it has been one of those hardest times where uh, the whole society looks at you like you are the wrong one because you're young. You, you lo- you're looked at as a missed person because you're young and pregnant. It gets hard for even your own family. People will judge you in a wrong way. People will distance themselves from you. Even friends, your friends will say, even some parents will tell their kids, don't be with Hope. Hope got pregnant. She just wants to get pregnant, you get. So oh, wow. it, it, it's, not, it's not a good experience, I would say. It was a bad one for me, but I'm glad I walked out of it. Maybe you can elaborate more on, on being uh, uh, the challenges with the family especially, how was it? Maybe you can go a little bit into more okay. detail. I am an orphan, total orphan. I'm glad that I was raised by an auntie who is my dad's elder sister with her husband. They were good parents, I would say. I grew up in a family and I felt loved. I felt the care. I felt a sense of belonging until that particular time came when I was pregnant and things were tough. It felt like it's an embarrassment back in family. It felt like uh, I'd let them down, even me, myself, when I got pregnant, I felt like I'd let them down. Of course, options came out like uh, abortions, not only from family people, people that you know, people, even friends. But uh, I'm glad what kept me going is my love for children because I've grown up loving babies. And uh, there is a myth that is, that, that has been said, I think, from generation to generation, that if a woman loves children very much, they don't give birth. So that myth kept me strong and laid, like, kept me on the line of, no, if, what if this is the only time, God, the only chance God has given me to have a child? And I'm like, no, 
I, I don't know how I'm going to make it, but I'm not about to be a motherless woman when I grow up. I'd rather have this child. So that myth kept me strong, and that's how all odds went on. And me, I think even my family knows when I've decided to do something, it's not easy to make you, to, for you to make me change my mind. When they finally accepted to say, okay, now she's, she's pregnant, she's pregnant, finally they came, came down, and the only thing they told me is, you are our responsibility. Now, when you give birth, your child is your responsibility. But I had, that had been even a very tough time because uh, when I discovered I'm pregnant, I eloped and tried to stay with daddy baby. Things got very bad. And I was even beaten. By the time I went back to my family to make all those swearings and everything and what, it was uh, a time when I was in a very bad shape. I was hospitalized. I actually almost lost the baby. Are you saying there was domestic violence? Yes, I was beaten. Sorry to hear that. So yeah, by the time my family, I went back to family, it wasn't easy. I was, they were called in when I'm in hospital. That's when everything, they sat me down and they looked at me that if they pushed, I think it gave them also sense that if they pushed me away, they might lose me. Because... We be in the sense that the family was tough and everything. I had to leave home to go and stay with someone who's not willing to keep me and whose family is not willing to to have hold me, you get. So it was a whole pressure. Out out of it all, I got into, I was hospitalized and the process. My family finally accepted to take care of me when I'm pregnant. So during my pregnancy time, uh, when I decided family had healed Family, I had a roof under me, but now I had to look according to the statement that was given to me that you are responsibility, your child your responsibility. I started going to town, helping out a cousin of mine. He does art. He engraves on T-shirts, on... He's a painter, he does other things. So every time he was engraving, like um, printing on T-shirts, doing engraving, I would be there to try to help the small, small things. The same area had a woman who did decoration and who was a decorator. She liked me so much because she would come and tell me, come here, Mama Katumbo, and I'm like, oh, I come with my customer. And she sends me, and I'm very fast, and she likes it. So through that, we grew a relationship, which made us very close, and I'm glad to say that uh, this woman is an elder sister to my best friend. So she helped me around, gave me skills, taught me skills, and she never she never looked at me like with uh, pity, that uh, you're pregnant, maybe someone who they will think about they would say, ah, because she's pregnant, she can't walk, she can't do this. No, she sent me, she just kept me active, and she, she helped mm. me shed off that other pain that I had that, yeah, that she's helping me, and she really wants to see me grow and outgrow out of, of it. Uh, she gave me money, and I, I collected the money that she was always paying me on a daily. Sometimes it would be 5000 sometimes it would be three, just because I wasn't doing very heavy work, and it was just tips to keep me, like, going I bought a blender. I decided to juice. I went to the same lady and asked her, uh, please help me with 50000 She asked me what I'm going to do with the 50000 I told her I want to start a juice business. She, but I told her in two weeks' time, I will have given you back your money. Willingly, she gave me the money. 
I went to the market, did shopping. Camps. Were you still pregnant at yeah, this time? Yeah, I was pregnant. I was vending juice from shops. Actually, majorly, my clientele was uh, the corporates, from banks to offices. So I was I vended juice till. So you were how many months pregnant when you started vending juice? Seven months pregnant. Until how until long? Until the last day of my. Are you s- and you were walking up and down yes. Bali Town? Yes. Vending juice. Yes, and uh, through the process of vending juice, I received a blessing of a scholarship. I met someone who asked me, "Hi, they felt uh, they developed an interest in me and asked me, how, how comes a young girl like you, at your age, you're selling juice, you're pregnant?'" And you're giving us juice with a smile. How do you do it? And I said, I think I just learned how to accept what has gone on. And here I am. I can't sit forever. I have someone who is going to depend on me. Because daddy baby had denied the pregnancy and everything. My family had given me a warning. And they had warned me always from even before. I can't blame anyone for that. And it was time for me to be a mother and know that responsibility because i believe in the world that if someone is to help you they need to they'll push you but they won't pick you from down to start your footsteps they will just push you so i needed to start my steps and wait for a push so this person felt very happy and they told me oh can you visit step radio sbc media center in Bali? you can come there's a talk show for the youth and you talk to the youth, maybe. So I meet the manager through the pre-interviews before the talk show. The manager seems interested, and with time, they tell me, no, we can also bring your juice, and you sell here. By that time, I was selling only a five-liter jerrican of juice. I grew up to a 10-liter, because I were the radio station. Very many people would buy my juice. I don't even know if people. I would never go back with juice in a jerrican. I know that people bought the juice because they felt pity on me. Oh, the juice was nice, but actually I do very nice juice. That's one I can assure you. So I, after after like a period of uh, around uh, three weeks of then bringing juice at Step Radio and you keep interacting with people, the manager tells me a very intelligent girl, you deserve to go back to school. And there's a university here. It gives out scholarships. Is this while you are still pregnant? Yes, while I'm still pregnant. So we go to the university. We meet uh, the vice-chancellor by then who was acting. We talk. We ask me to share my story. And I share. And then they're like, come back and meet uh, the the board of people who give out scholarships. And maybe when we got there, I talked and uh, just hoped for the best and they just they, they weren't giving on maybe how your how your performance is no they were giving on if according the scholarships are being given according to how brilliant are you like if you were given chance to go back to school would you be a better citizen for this country would you be a better would it make better would it make you a better person and when they weighed out they believed I would be a very good person I even had uh, two departments when I signed in, I, I signed in for IT, and then my second option was media. But the media dean had to argue out with the IT dean, t- 
telling them I'm a media baby and I deserve to be on. I have, I have to do. It's not a talent they should kill. And finally, I got a media. Maybe that's why you're so audible and so, so energetic. Yeah. Uh, so, tell me about uh, when you had to give when you had to give birth. Did you have challenges and? How did you handle, uh, you are no longer making an income from the juice? Uh, how did you go back? Did you, did you actually go back to making juice? You now had a scholarship. Uh, how did you handle that situation? Let's start from the giving birth. When I was given the scholarship, it had to come, uh, I think the scholarship was given to me in, in November, that week before I gave birth, that week, early week of November. So I had to go to report to school in August. So I had time, but then I also had to work. I had to make sure I earned. So things weren't easy, I would say. Being a mother, having a baby, but I had, I had a support system of friends, I would say, clients, I would say. I would move with my baby from home with the juice. At how many weeks? I started, uh, I resumed after one month. Because uh, by that time I'd moved out of home. Why did you move out of home? Um, my auntie's husband, the young sister to the one who raised me, my, my dad's youngest sister, he came home and he said he can't have a baby in the house. So you were literally kicked out of the yes, house? Yes, I was. So I had a cousin during the time when I was pregnant who I helped out bail from police. And I used like almost half of my savings because I wasn't really earning much. So he promised he would pay the rent for me if he was moving from where he was renting and um, he was moving to his house. So he told me I can take up that and... Uh, uh, from that time, uh, I'm, he told me he's moving to his house. So he told me he will pay the rent from where he, from where he, I, I, I can take up from the point where he was staying. So I didn't know he had even a date of rent. So it was hard. It was hard picking up. So with time for me, I knew my rent was settled. And I, of course, I moved into a house. I didn't have a mattress. I didn't have anything. But life was uh, the most difficult, the most painful point was me showering my three weeks old baby with cold water. At first, mm -hmm. it was so painful. It was the most painful bit about it. And I felt so left out, alone and cold. And you were staying in a room with no, with nothing, nothing basically. Nothing. I had to start from scratch on picking up on things. But when I was looking at it, I looked at my savings. I had little money on me because I used most of the money in hospital. You how, know. Old, how old were you at this time? You were 19? Yeah. Okay. So when I moved, uh, so I had to resume work early, I would say. And uh, my baby was a cry baby in the night. 
and then during the day I would be able to work. At least she was a sleeping baby during the day, and at night she was a crying baby. So that gave me an advantage of me earning, cause uh, I would move with her, leave her at SBC Step Radio. They even had a corner where they had organized for oh, for wow. me. I, I think I'm so blessed to have had Alan Mukiri by then the manager of Step. He supported me so much. So, so much. And actually, most of those people at SBC, the workers, they gave me maximum support. You would even put the child there, go and juice, and by the time you come back, you have to move office to office looking for the kid. I even had a friend, by then he was also a student at LIU, but then he was working at Step Henry. He would carry, help me carry that kid when I'm going to the market to shop. We shop, buy things because I had a basket to carry, then a child. So you would either carry the baskets or at one time he was even nicknamed Tata Baby and it's like, <laughs> these people don't know why, but <laughs> they don't know I'm not the father. But let me be proud. Let me be proud to be a father. Let me take the blessings. And you'd always walk me back to the shop where I would put things and maybe get a border, border direct back home. And when I get back home, I had to either be wash organizing, like boiling water, it cools, doing what for that. Because by the time it clocks 7, 8, actually 8 p.m., my crybaby has begun. She would cry. She would cry. I would definitely not do anything. I would be there singing to her. I, I know a lot of baby rhymes. I would, she wouldn't let you sit. She wouldn't. I, do, I didn't know the challenge. At one time, I was told, take her to the father's people. They give her a name. Oh, my God. I tried to connect with the family of the dad. It was also a very traumatizing experience. They abused me in front of us. And I was abused and even spat on by the, the mother to the daddy baby. And I just kept quiet and came down and gave up. When I even went to labor, they say, this girl is too small. She's, it's, it's, it's a threat. We don't know if she'll even give birth. The doctors checked and they said, um, she can give birth, but we just hope it doesn't damage her. They, I don't know, what is it called? Is that process where it damages your urinal system mm. like if, like you could get fistula yes yes fistula hope she doesn't get fistula and then in the hospital my late mother had a best friend who works in the hospital i would say she was there she was there she kept the doctors on a lot like i didn't pay money in hospital to get everything i got but i got attention in hospital that is one on the day i give birth the lady on my right, lost a child. The lady on my left lost a child. I was told to move, and my expansion, like the way, was mm. opening up very well until it got to eight centimeters. When I can't, when it's no more, it. Mm. I took me five more hours, and I wasn't moved. I had to go get induced. When I was induced, I managed to go. I managed to have my child, but. When she was put on my chest, there's that inducing pain. It's when they induce you, the pain is 
I don't know. It's extra like it's unreal. Yes. But when the, that cute little thing came out of me and it was put on my chest, the pink lips, I can't hold on to any better memory than that. And the fact that this side, on my left, someone lost a child. On my right, someone lost a child. And they'll be told, push, push, don't do this. You're going to lose the child if you don't. I, I, I swear that me, the nurses had to tell me, okay, lower your leg. Don't, don't use a lot of energy this time because it may tear you. Just, mm-hmm. just little energy. I think my energy was too much. I, and, and, and even after that, I had, it, she was a sickly child, Eden, my daughter. She was a sickly baby. Very sickly, we're in hospital in and out, in and out, that even my business after birth wasn't stable. But I'll tell you that I, I used to go to main hospital, Mbali Regional Referral. My mom's best friend by that time was in the kids' department. Wow. I had KM, Sawa Joy's kid, grand, grandchild is here. I had care. I I had attention that I needed. My child was, she was a sickly one. I was always in hospital, but I had now another family in hospital. I, at SBC, I had caretakers. When I'm in town, I had um, my best friend's family. I had different friends carry my child. I had a bed for her to sleep. I had space for her. I, I stuck to the blessings that I, I, I had, and those are the few things that that have kept me going up to today, that I look at what am I blessed with, what do I have, and I ignore what don't I have. That, that has kept me going. And me, to me, I feel like I have a lot. I don't have the money, I don't know, but my support system, I can't say yeah. Now, tell me about going to school with a baby. How was that? For me to go to school, I had to leave my child behind. Guess I was blessed with a caretaker. Why wouldn't I get who who goes to wherever they are going and now that and has a maid and they don't pay? They have to pay. I was blessed with a caretaker. And this is your distant grand- grandmother. Yes. And my caretaker wasn't only one, because she had to wake up in the morning, go and dig. When she goes to dig, we all wake up in the morning to organize. If the child is still sleeping. There will be other grandkids who carry the child to one of her kids who is like her third born, her daughters, who is married somewhere at some distance, but then is still in the same area. This is not a rich family, but they are rich with love. I can tell you that I slept in a bed full of bed bugs, like the environment was not very welcoming. It's not the environment I've grown up with, but it's the environment I would call home. Just of recent, I was back there, and my daughter is currently there since I'm this side. But I will tell you, it's not the best anyone can have. But when I go back, I lay down with love. <laughs> So with that amazing, amazing story and very, very inspirational, 
because uh, everybody has challenges in motherhood, but yours are really something else. To stay so positive and so uh, happy-go-lucky, you, you're truly blessed. And yeah. True, I am blessed. Have you heard of something called the motherhood penalty? Yeah. And uh, would you, uh, do you have any experiences regarding the motherhood penalty? Here at Everything Motherhood, we've, def we've defined the motherhood penalty as once you become a mother, somehow people tend to discriminate you. They don't want to, they don't want to include you in things. They make decisions for you. Uh, at work, you no longer get promotions. You're no longer invited to the party, so, uh, so to speak. How has it, um, has it affected you, first of all? And if so, how? Ah, okay. The motherhood penalty affected me when I was, I think, in school, most. Uh, someone would come and uh, we would do, like, media recordings and watch, like, we had what they call the LMA, Livingstone Media Academy, where we do recordings of TV, with audios and what, for purposes, but... Uh, there was a statement at one time that was said, ha, we can't rely on hope because she's a mother. You know, she has to go and take care of her child. You know, and I'm like, but no one has even asked me if I'll be ready or there to be, I'll be my available. No one has even known what my schedule is. They have concluded for me, because I am a mother, I will not be available for this. Because I'm a mother, I cannot, I will not be able to do this. Sunday, Hope needs to be home with her child. You know, she's on school, what, maybe, maybe Sunday is her motherhood day. She has to be home with the mother, like a mother. Then one time, I think, um, as a young girl, you know, I, 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 I like, I like going out, I like to dance, I like to do all those things. I, I remember someone who said, Instead of you, what time do you get with your child? Instead of you being home and taking care of your child and you are, you are planning on doing things like going out, doing what, you should be acting like a mother. And I'm like, have I failed in my role of being a mother? I am a mother, and by that time I was, I was lucky that my child would even, once she's fed well, by the time you go at 10 a.m., you come back at 5. She'll be waking up at around 5.30. You meant 10 p.m. P.m., yeah. yeah. P.m. And by around 5.30 is when she's trying to wake up to breastfeed. Like, she would go Zoom throughout France night. And that was, like, when she was, like, six and a half months. You gave birth at 19. And now you're 25. You've managed to graduate. Uh, you're a young leader in Rotaract. You have your entrepreneurship businesses. Uh, where do you see your future? Because your future is still right ahead of you. Where do you see your future? I actually see my future in children. I see myself, I want to have a branch where I can help mothers who are busy to take care of their children and 
they know they can a place where they can trust to put their children because we have such places but most places begin from one year and a oh, six months and a half i would love to give time to there is that tender newborn. age new those those newborn babies where people feel it's hard for someone to handle I actually feel, me, I communicate to those people. I feel like those kids, I understand the languages they speak. My confidence in having them around me is something I understand. I, I feel I really, really understand because I babysat for my sisters. Most of my sisters, they, when I got holidays like this, they would be ready. Hope, hope is coming home. And everybody would be, I want hope, I want hope. So <laughs> that has we Even can also talk experience. about how you babysat for me. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you'd always say, no, don't do this. And I'd feel like, no, she's doing this. Yeah. And I'm glad my body has grown. I, yeah, it was, very, it was very, very challenging. And I think you came in at the right time. Uh, being a new mother is not all it's cracked up to be. It can be really tough, even getting back to who you think you are, because uh, you've changed completely. And I think for me, you came in at a time when I was trying to, uh, I was kind of in denial that I'm not the same person. I'm this new person, but I'm trying to figure out where the bridge where the bridge is because you kept asking to help and I was like, how is this young girl going to help me? But the day you came, I think I managed to shower and do my hair. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> and I was so excited about being able to do my hair. And by do my hair, I just mean like make it look neat. <laughs> and it was such a the big deal. The next day you had to scrub your feet. I think people yes. need... I think mothers should learn how to to let go. To let sometimes, go. sometimes you try. You, it's not. You, it's not completely. Of course, when your child is at a particular age, you don't have to let go completely. But also, you have to learn how to accept that now you have a child, but your hands can't take care of you as well as your baby. It's you have really to give tough. It a, yeah, they have to give yourself a break, and give, so you have to learn how to balance between being a mother. And, and being, an individual. being an individual, I think that's really, I think that's like another conversation that we need to to definitely cover on how to maintain your individuality as a new, as a new mother. But I can say that uh, you were really there for me at that crucial time. And I want to thank you and I want to shout you out, out there that uh, you really came in at a time and I managed to get back to work. I can honestly testify to you being good with babies and for having such a strong, caring heart. Nobody would be able to believe your incredible story. Even now hearing it, it's, it's beyond amazing. I hope your story encourages mothers. It's truly, truly amazing. Hope I could speak to you, I think... Till the cows come home, literally, because there's so much to talk about and so much to to discuss and so much emotion uh, involved. 
Uh, but you said you're still young and you like partying. So how are you going to handle that nighttime uh, facility? Trust, trust me, of course, in case I'm to do, if I'm to do something big, I won't be always the one taking care of the children. But I, I'm sure I can identify people who are like me where we can do this together. Definitely. It's Definitely. No, it can't be my hands always all the time, but I'm sure. Yeah, so be. do you have any last words that you'd like to share with us? Oh, okay. I think I have like two things to say. Yeah. One is I, I share my story not because I want pity, not because uh, I've, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but I'll share my story because I want to talk to someone out there to tell them to let go of the things they are chasing and they can't catch and first catch what is there. Catch the love for the people around you. Catch the love of the baby, especially the babies. When we have babies, we, you can't be, like even when you're pregnant, they tell you if, you, okay, they tell, tell you if you're angry, you're going to give birth to an angry baby. Your baby, if you're so emotional, you're too, you need to calm down. calm down a lot. And even you as a mother, don't carry the things you've gone through. Don't carry that pain because I've seen it happen to people. Don't carry that pain to your child. Yeah. Give your child a picture of happiness. And with time, you go to realize the more you, when you start pretending, you can start with pretending. And with yeah. time, it becomes a habit of you. Yeah. You, you will finally outgrow. Nothing is as Come beautiful on. as being there for your child. Because we groom what we groom. There is a lot of negativity. Stick to the one dot of positiveness. And trust me, that dot finally expands. That has that is how I've kept my life going, no You've matter how many hard dots it is. Of, of, yes, of positivity. <laughs> yeah. One dot grows into the whole world, and finally, the whole world shines upon me. Wow. I mean, there's nothing more I can add. I can add to that except to thank you so much for making your way all the way from Bali to come here to our podcast for sharing with us your story. I know it. It's not easy to, to get personal, but it's with those personal stories and testimonies that you we manage to reach the mothers out there. And to all the wonderful mothers out there, just remember that you're a great mom. Thank you. Thank you.